I'd like to take a minute to do that just to give you, I told you a minute ago, this guy I met in seminary, he's executive pastor over in Orlando, um, and right now he's got a cancer that they're treating that, from what the doctors are telling him, has a 0% survival rate. Um, the other issue is that he has three small children, and his wife, I don't know if I, how much I share, his wife, this is her second husband, she actually lost her first husband already. So this is this is a big thing for their family, um, and and a big thing for a lot of people that know them. So if you don't mind, um, we're just going to stop for a second. And we're going to pray for them, pray for that family. Okay, let's do that. Um, God, we just want to lift up Matt and his family to you right now, Lord. Um, lift up Heather to you, and God, you know you know what they're going through. God, you know what their situation is, and God, you know the the pain that he's even suffering um, through going through chemo. Um, but God, we just we just ask right now. God, that if it be your will, that your your healing hand will be all over this family, God, and that, that you will cure him. God, that you will do something that the doctors think is impossible. And, uh, God, we know you have the power to do that if you chose to do so. Um, but, God, if that is not your will, God, we still know that you're going to heal him. And that just means he's going to be in your presence and he's not going to be sick anymore. And, God, I just pray that, that whatever happens, whatever the outcome of this illness, Lord, whatever the outcome of his treatment, God, that you will just wrap your arms around this family. Uh, God, that you will just be with his wife, be with his children, Lord. Um, Lord, just bring that church around them the way you already have. Lord, just to support them and to show them how much you love them through the people that you place around them. And God, I just pray that you will help us, uh, Lord, to remember not just him, but but all of these prayer requests that were mentioned tonight, God. There's so many different things going on in all of our lives, uh, God, that that we have to remember every single day you're the one in control and that we simply have to bring it to you, God. You're the one who takes care of everything. Lord, we love you. We thank you for who you are. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Let's get into it. What have we been talking about for the last two weeks? Rebellion, rebel, rebel, however you want to pronounce it. We've been talking about the idea of being a rebel. And who have we been looking at? Jesus, yes. See, y'all are liking this because this is the one time you can say that, and that's the right answer. What's that? Disciples? Yeah, not so much. Really looking at Jesus. Does anybody remember what we talked about the first week? Jesus did what? He changed the rules. Thank you, Kevin. Jesus Christ, when he came to earth, he changed the rules. He was born in a way that nobody thought the Messiah was going to be born. He grew up and did things that nobody thought the Messiah would do. He changed the way people thought. He challenged the religious leaders. He changed the way that they interpreted the law because he was trying to help them understand that the rules that they were so adamant about keeping, they were carrying out in a way that God never intended. So he changed the rules. What about last week? What did he do? Uh, he hanged out with the other group. He, he hanged out with the other group. Okay. <laughs> what, did he, what did he do? I get, I, I give it, it starts with a CH as well. Choose the wrong crowd. Wow, man. I thought you guys got this. Yeah. Jesus chose the wrong crowd. We looked at the idea that Jesus, everybody told Jesus who he should have hung out with. The people who were good, the people who were religious, the people who did everything that looked right. But Jesus, again, went against what everybody thought. And Jesus spent his time with the people that nobody else wanted to spend his time with. He went to the people, to the ones that everybody else called sinners or called unworthy or called unclean. And that's who Jesus came for because that's who needed him. And that crowd 
included us. It does include us. That's why Jesus came, because he chose the ones that everybody else would tell you, don't go near that group. And that we have an opportunity to do the same thing. Yes, you need to be surrounded by Christian friends. That needs to be where you start from, where you go back to. But in between there, sometimes you need to choose the wrong crowd. You need to go to the people that your parents would say, I don't know if I care for them. That may be the exact person that Jesus Christ wants you to go to and tell them about Jesus Christ. So that's what he did. And tonight we're going to talk about the idea that Jesus challenged authority. Now, how many of you in here have a problem challenging authority? Okay, and when I say a problem, I mean you do it. Yeah, a lot more hands go up with that one. Okay, here's what I want you to do. When you came in, you had a 3x5 card. Some of y'all have bunched them up, put them somewhere else. There should have been a 3x5 card and something to write with in your chair. On that 3x5 card, do this quietly. The 3x5 index card. On that card, I want you to write down the top three authorities in your life. The top three people that have the most authority in your life. I want you to write down the top three that you have the most trouble obeying. I'm going to assume you have them written down. If you have them written down, if you haven't already, I want you to rank them. I really have a problem with this one, number one, kind of number two, and not as much number three. I want raised hands. I want you to tell me. I don't need you to tell me a name. You can say it's a teacher, even if you wrote down a name. Don't tell me the name. Don't tell me the name and don't tell the group the name. I want to know how many of you put your parents is number one. Okay. Okay. Well, I, they're acting as your parents. That's okay. All right. How many of you put teachers? Woo. Okay. I don't need to know the specific one. We know, we know, we know too many of the same people. I don't need to know specific ones. Yeah, probably. How many of you put your youth pastor? Besides Tanner, yeah, there's a couple of you. Now y'all are lying in church. I know you are. Okay. All right. Here's a, here's a question for you. Again, without talking, unless I call on you, I want you to raise your hand and tell me why you have a problem obeying those authorities. Wow, a deal. Why? I haven't called on you. <laughs> okay, okay. Wait, stop talking. For those of you who didn't write down your youth pastor, write it down now because none of you are listening to me. <laughs> Number four, Pastor Jesse. Courtney. Don't get too specific. Okay, that's that. I'm sorry to tell you guys that's every teenager in existence. Okay, I'm just telling you. Okay, Brandon. They abuse power. Okay, is that your parents? Everyone. Everyone. Mandy. Because you didn't teach. Okay, we're getting specific now. We're getting specific. Okay. Wait, no, you already went. 
Bethany. Anybody hear what Bethany said? Besides the people next to him? She says, I don't agree with their standards. Okay? Alright, last one. Lauren. They have favorites in the class. Man, you guys got problems with teachers. Your number one issue? Okay. So basically what you're telling me, and, and tell, tell me if I'm hearing this wrong, you have a problem with these authorities because they want you to do things their way instead of yours. No? That's, that's, that's kind of what it sounds like to me. I mean, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Let's back up here. Let's back up here. Hold on. Okay, the things that I was told are things like you don't agree with their standards. So it's their way versus yours. You're getting in trouble because you didn't know something they should have taught you. It's still their way versus yours. Yes! Abuse of power. It's their way versus yours. Yeah. Have a seat. <laughs> I don't like this sermon. No, stick with me. Stick with me, guys. What we're talking about tonight is we're talking about challenging authority. And see, the reason we're talking about that, the reason we're talking about that is because we're looking at the life of Jesus Christ, and we're looking at the things that he did. And if you follow the life of Jesus Christ, you're going to see there are times when he challenged the authority in his life. And I'm here to tell you tonight that there's going to be times that you will need to challenge the authority in your life. Now, there are certain requirements if you're going to choose to challenge the authority in your life. Okay? Because again, if you look at Jesus Christ... And you look at what he did and what he said when he challenged authority, there were certain ways he did it. In fact, Scripture, before we even get to that point, Scripture talks about authority in your life. It lays it out very clearly in Romans. It says here in Romans 13, 1 and 2, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Okay? That's pretty clear right there that God establishes every authority in your life. Isn't it? Whether you like the authority or not, whether you agree with the authority or not, God is the one that put them there. So now we have a bit of a dilemma. If we're supposed to challenge authority, but God's the one that put them there, how do we handle that? Kick them? No, nah, I don't think that's the answer. No. What we do, what we do is we look at what Jesus Christ did. In the life of Jesus Christ, he faced authority on a daily basis. He had parents. We don't know if he went to school. We have no idea. But we do know that he spent time in the synagogue, and technically the authority in his life was the religious leaders. There was a government in place that he was supposed to submit to. You see, he had some of the same authorities that we have in our life. So as we look at his life, we have to look at how did Jesus challenge that authority? When is it the right time to challenge the authority? When is it the right time to just do what we're told to do? 
You see, if you look at how Jesus challenged authority, if you go through and you read all these different interactions he has with the different authorities and when he challenged them, you see some very specific things. You see, number one, that Jesus challenged the authority with a complete understanding of what it says in Romans 13. Because when Jesus challenged the authority, he did it respectfully. He did. Now, I know sometimes we might have a problem with challenging authority respectfully. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of mumbling and grumbling on that one. But you know what? That's exactly what Jesus Christ did. He understood that God is the one that put those authorities there, and that when he challenged those, he had several options. And these are the same options that you and I have when it comes to authority. You can, number one, you can submit to the authority. Do what we're told to do. Number two, you have the option to appeal to a higher authority. If you disagree with what the teacher says, maybe you go talk to the principal. Take it to the next authority. If you disagree with what your parents said, well, there's not really one you can appeal to there, so you're stuck. Your third option, yeah, your grandparents are going to give in every time. Your third option, no, is not to pray about it, is that you choose to defy your authority, but you be willing to accept the consequences of that defiance. Those are your options. Those are the options that Jesus had every time he challenged his authority and every time he submitted, he made one of those choices. And you see, what we're going to look at tonight is we're going to look at a time when Jesus didn't submit. Jesus challenged the authority, but the way he challenged them, it was done respectfully and it was done for a greater purpose other than Jesus just didn't like what they were saying. If you've got your Bibles or your iPhones or whatever you're using, Switch over to Matthew chapter 12, verse 1. That's where we're going to be tonight. Because I want you to understand, if you do challenge authority, and I'm telling you tonight, at some point in your life, you will need to challenge authority. I may challenge you to do it tonight. Hmm. Challenge authority. When you do, you need to understand that there are consequences for that challenge. There are consequences to that rebellion. And that's what we're going to see in Jesus' life. Let's look at it. Matthew chapter 12, verse 1. Let's see what it says. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. Okay, just to set up what's going on here. Jesus and the disciples are walking along, and they're walking next to a grain field. And his disciples step over, and they just start picking some of the grain. They're hungry. Typically, what farmers would do during this time is when they had grain fields, they would leave the edges of these fields unharvested. They wouldn't go near it. And one of the main reasons they did that is because that was actually part of the Levitical law. That's what was laid out by God in the Old Testament. Leviticus 23.22 says, And when you reap the harvest of your land... You shall not reap your field right up to its edge, nor shall you gather the gleanings after you harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. You see, the reason that's that's incredible is because even in the Levitical law, we see God's compassion for people. Even when God's laying out these rules, we see that the law is there because the law is there to help people, to serve people, to show his love and his mercy. Even to the point of farmers, 
Don't harvest your entire field so people who are poor, who are orphans, who are destitute, who are traveling, can have a little bit of something to eat. That's a pretty amazing God. But you see, they're walking along, and these guys decide they're going to pick a little bit. And the issue arises, is that, and this is what always gets me, you've got the Pharisees, the religious leaders, who claim not to believe in Jesus, yet so often you see them with the crowd that's following Jesus. Now granted, they're looking for a way to trip him up, but they're still there. They're still hearing everything. They're still seeing everything. And as they walk along and they start breaking these grains off, the religious leaders are saying, whoa, wait, 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 wait a minute. What these guys are doing, that's against the law. Because that's considered work. To do anything like that, any kind of manual labor, them just walking up and taking some grain, they were working. And they broke the law. So they called Jesus out on it. And here's how he responds to him in verse 3. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? And those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence? which it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for, for the priests. Now, I, I love the way Jesus responds here. Jesus doesn't, Jesus doesn't just come back at him and say, Guys, I'm God. I can do whatever I want, and so can they. No. He goes back to Scripture. Time and time again, Jesus goes back to what has happened and what God has done in the past. And what he actually does here is he takes them all the way back to a story that we can find in 1 Samuel chapter 21. At that point in time, David and some of the men that were following him were running from King Saul. And they come to this temple and a priest and, and David goes in and David says, I don't have anything to eat. I don't have any kind of weapon. I need some help. And the priest tells him, all I've got is what's called the bread of the presence. This was bread that was taken, and when it was baked, it was put in the holiest place in the temple, the Holy of Holies. It became holy itself because that was given to God. And then the only people that were allowed to eat that bread were the priests and their family because they were set apart as being holy as well. You see, David went into the temple and said, I need something to eat, and the priest actually gave him this bread. And Jesus is saying, don't you understand that even in this dire situation, it's okay that they did something that maybe was not necessarily lawful? And he's bringing them back. He's telling them, without explicitly saying this, he's telling them that the law of God is here to serve the people, not just condemn the people. Because according to the law, if David went in and ate that bread, David should have been killed. Because he took the holy bread. That was for God alone. You see, Jesus is saying it was okay then because the law is here to serve the people, not just condemn the people. Yeah, they're picking grain. Fine, it's against the law. But the law also says that they're supposed to be able to pick grain so that they don't go hungry. You see, Jesus is bringing them back to what Scripture says. Jesus is bringing them back to the bigger issue, not just the immediate problem that's going on. He's challenging their authority. He's challenging the idea that they believe that in keeping the law, they are better than everyone else. They are higher than everyone else, and they can use that law and that position to trap Jesus. And Jesus is helping them understand, guys, I am the authority. Let's look at what else he says here. Verse 5, Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here, and if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. 
Yeah, see, I, uh, I like this. Jesus is talking to him and he's saying, guys, okay, the priests, the priests, when they carry out their duties on the Sabbath, they're working. They're doing exactly what you're telling us we're not allowed to do right now. And he's saying if there's an exception made there, there should be an exception made here too. Again, he goes back to the idea that the law is there to serve the people, to help the people, to show God's love and God's mercy as well as to show God's expectation. And he's actually referencing back here, he takes him back to Hosea 6.6, when he says in verse 7, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, he's quoting Old Testament scripture. In Hosea 6.6 it says, For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. You see, in that verse, God's stating his desire, it's not strictly for rituals of religion, it's for a relationship with him. He says, I, I, want you to, I want you to follow the law, yes. But more importantly is the relationship that we have. Yeah, keep those rules, but don't keep those rules to the point that you're focused on those rules instead of being focused on God. And that's what these religious leaders, these Pharisees, don't get. Now see, sometimes... We get upset when our authorities tell us things that we don't want to do. And we get upset, and I know you don't like this, but we get upset because it's our way versus their way. But you see, that's, that's not the issue going on with Jesus. Jesus is helping them see that it's not just Jesus versus the Pharisees, that it's God. It's not his human side, it's his God side. It's that 100% Godhead that he's a part of. You've got these guys that are focused on the rituals, and because they're focused on the rituals, it looks like they've lost sight of why God gave them those laws and those rituals. And there's a problem there. And see, as I tell you guys to challenge authority, you look at, I love what Jesus says here in verse 8. He says, verse 8, let me go back and read it. It says, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. See, Jesus is helping them understand <laughs> He's challenging their authority because he is the authority. These guys have become so focused on the law and the rituals and the requirements that they have set out that they've forgotten they're supposed to be focused on God. And Jesus is saying, guys, I'm the one who sets all this. I'm Lord of the Sabbath. That's how he has the ability to challenge their authority because he is the ultimate authority. He is the one that created it. And as he challenges their authority, he does it consistently. He steps into the temple just after this. In fact, let's pick it up in verse 9. He says, he went from there and entered the synagogue. And a man was there with a withered hand, and they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him? Jesus has just talked to these leaders. He's just talked to them about the laws of the Sabbath. They've heard all of this, and yet they're still trying to trap him immediately. They go to another question to see how they can catch Jesus up. And just from what we know, if you look at this a little bit, the law would allow in certain extreme cases for people to work on the Sabbath if someone's life was in danger. That's why they pick out this man with the withered hand. Scholars would tell us the fact that he had a withered hand would show us that it's not a life-threatening thing going on with him right now. That this is something that could have happened years before, could have happened weeks before. He could have been born that way. We don't know. But Jesus in healing him would be breaking the law 
because it wasn't a life-threatening problem. What's interesting to me here is the fact that the Pharisees ask him this question, Jesus, is it lawful to heal this man? Makes the presumption that they already thought he could heal him. They don't say, Jesus, can you heal this man? They say, Jesus, is it lawful to heal this man? You see, it shows they've already presumed that Jesus has the power to heal him. I find that very interesting when you're talking about the religious leaders who don't believe Jesus Christ is the Messiah, don't believe he's the Son of God. But let's keep going here. Verse 11, Jesus responds to him, Which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. You see, once again, consistently, he challenges their understanding of the law. He goes back to something he said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 26. Jesus is preaching and he says, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? He's saying, really, guys, you're telling me that a sheep is more valuable than a man. You're telling me that I should get more worked up and I should break the law and do what you tell me I can do and go save an animal that's stuck in a ditch than actually let God work in the life of a human being. Are you kidding me? That's kind of what Jesus is saying here when he quotes this verse, when he talks about what's going on. He's trying to help them understand that the authority they are exercising over the Jewish people is keeping them and the Jewish people focused on the law instead of on the relationship. That's why he challenges their authority. That's why, <laughs> that's why he keeps coming back at them every time they come after him. It's okay sometimes to do things different to help somebody and show them the love of Christ. There's going to be times in your life where you have the opportunity to step out and do something that maybe somebody tells you you shouldn't really do because it's not safe. Or you shouldn't really do because we don't really want you hanging around those people. Or maybe you just don't know if it's the right thing to do. But yet you have the opportunity to show the love of Christ. Why wouldn't you do it? You see, the religious leaders, they were using the law as a cop-out not to show the love of God to people. They were more concerned about strictly adhering to what the law said than they were about whether or not they showed other people that God loved them. Now, see, we sometimes do the same thing. It's kind of like, and I'm, I'm, I'm so, I don't mean to offend you, Miss Diana, but it's kind of like working with some airline personnel. For y'all know, Miss Diana used to work for airlines, but there are some airline personnel that are unfriendly. That's not Miss Diana. We know that. One time, Kathleen and I and the boys were flying from Louisville, Kentucky to Jacksonville, Florida. But we had a layover in Detroit, Michigan. And for whatever reason, there was a storm. Our flight got delayed leaving Louisville. And when we got to Detroit, we had missed our connecting flight to get to Jacksonville. And they tell us that because it was inclement weather, because they had no control over the situation, that we were on our own for a hotel and we were going to have to stay the night in Detroit. They weren't giving anybody hotel vouchers. They weren't doing anything. We could go to this line and they could help us find a hotel and we could book it and pay for it and they'd give us a ride there. And then we could catch a flight out the next morning. 
And see, the lady in line in front of us, she, she wasn't being very nice to the attendant. And the attendant wasn't being very nice either. So when we got up there, Kathleen and I are thinking, okay, this is great. We're, we're going to have to find a hotel. We don't know what's going to happen. we got two small kids with us. And as we're talking to the lady, and we're trying to figure out where we're going to stay, what we're going to do, our two boys, God bless them, <laughs> leaned around the corner and looked at the lady, and both of them said, we're just trying to get to Grandma's house. <laughs> and the lady looks at them, and she looks at us, and she says, are they with you? So yes, ma'am. She goes, okay, I'll give you a voucher for the hotel tonight. And she not only gave us a voucher to go stay in the hotel for free, she also gave us vouchers for the hotel restaurant so that we could feed our children at 2 a.m. when we finally got to the hotel. Now, see, if this lady had stuck to the letter of the law, we'd have been on our own. But because she was willing to challenge the rules so that she could help somebody, we were helped. See, that's what Jesus is doing here. Jesus is saying, okay, the, the law's not bad. The law's not wrong. But when you're so concerned about following the law and the rules that you forget it's there so that you can show God's love to people, we've missed the point. We've missed the boat. And that's why he consistently, he goes through and he challenges these authorities trying to draw their attention back to the fact that the law was there because God wanted people to know him. Not just know what he wanted us to do and not do, but because he wanted us to know him. That's why Jesus says the things he does. That's why Jesus does the things he does here. Keeps going. Matthew 12, verse 13. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out, and it was restored, healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy them. He said, Jesus questioned them. He questioned their understanding of the law, but he also knew the outcome of his actions. I told you guys earlier, that third option you have when you challenge authority is that you can challenge that authority and rebel, but you need to understand there will be consequences for your actions. It tells us right there that when Jesus got done with this interaction, the Pharisees left and they conspired to find a way to kill him. And if you watch and you read through the rest of the Gospels, you see that's exactly what happens with Jesus Christ. Every step he took, every decision he made, every word he spoke that challenged the authorities, he knew that every single one of those was leading him to the cross. Because that's why he came. And that's why he was willing to do what he did when he challenged these authorities. Now you guys... When you challenge your authority, that doesn't mean you're going to end up dead. I certainly hope not. But you know what? You will always have authority in your life. You may think you're going to have more freedom when you move out of your parents' home. Well, if you go to college, you're still going to have professors. One day you're going to get a job. You're going to have a boss. Even if you own your own company, you still have to pay taxes. You still have to follow the speed limit. There will always, always always be authority in your life. Some of those authorities will be very godly. And I hope they are. And they will give you wisdom and they will give you help and they will give you insight in leading a life that honors God. But some of those authorities, 
they won't be. They won't be the people that are going to point you towards God. And the question is, when the time comes, are you going to be willing to challenge that authority so that you can live a life that honors God instead of just adhering to some rules? You see, the biggest authority in your life tonight that I dare you to challenge is you. Because the reality is, in our lives, there is one ultimate authority. And it's a struggle. It's a struggle for me on a daily basis of whether that's going to be God or that's going to be me. Because I've got things I want to do. I've got ways I want to live. There's music I want to listen to sometimes. There's things I want to watch sometimes. But you know what? Do those things honor God? Do they glorify Him? If they don't, then I've got authority to challenge. The biggest problem, the biggest obstacle you will ever have in your relationship with God and Jesus Christ is you. So here's my challenge to you tonight. When I tell you to challenge authority, are you willing to start in your own life? Are you willing, are you willing to stand up to yourself and the things that your flesh wants? And the things that your body and your sinful mind and my sinful mind wants. And say, ah, I'm going to live a life that honors God. Here's what I'm asking you to do. If you're able, I want you to turn around on the floor and get on your knees in front of your chair. Face your chair on your knees. Right now. Right now. And if you've got it handy, I want you to take that 3 by 5 card. And I want to ask you just to spend a minute. Just to spend a minute. Close your eyes. And ask God to show you who's the authority in your life. Who is it that you're paying attention to? Who is it that you're living for? Are you the authority in your life? Or is God the authority in your life? And when you're done talking to him, If you're willing and you're serious about it and you want God to be the authority even if he's not right now, I want you to write it on the back side of that card. Just write God. If you're not there yet, I'm not here, I'm not judging you, but I do want to pray for you. And I'd ask you, if that's you tonight, write that on that green card that was in your seat. that just says, pray for me. You don't have to put your name, but that'll let me know that there's some people in here that you're struggling with that decision. And I want to pray for you.
We're getting ready to pray. And the band's going to come up here and lead us in one more song. And as they do that, I want to ask you to stand and sing as you feel led to do so. If you need to stay on your knees and talk to God a little bit longer, do that. But please don't walk out of here without deciding who's going to be the authority in your life tonight. God, we do <laughs> we do love you. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the life that he lived. We thank you for the things that he showed us. And God, I pray right now for every person in this room, God, I pray that you will help us to decide who we're going to listen to, God. Are we going to let you be the authority in our life, God? Or are we going to let it be us? God, I pray for each person in here. Help us to honor you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.